I can appreciate you creating this show. So when we got rid of them, we also got rid of the us that allowed them. Because somebody's going to hell. So welcome to another episode of the Bacon Bitch Productions podcast. I am Kai, Chef Kai, if you want to see me in like an apron and some heels or something like that. But uh, other than that, it's Kai. So when um, I originally started out with this podcast, it was supposed to be and still is about food and how food heals us right um and how it feeds the soul of the world right um and so I want to tell the story of how food saved my life um and we're going to do that over quite possibly the life or duration of this podcast um and so I want to start with something that I realized uh, I had never actually talked about, um, and it's my marriage, right? The, well, my divorce, the marriage itself and the divorce, right? Um, so we're going to call this episode and this chapter in my life Chitlins, or as some will call it, Chitterlings. And the reason for that is um, Chitlins is some stinking shit, Right. So when you cook chitlins, your house normally smell like chitlins, right? Um, And they're not pretty. They don't look great. But for whatever reason, um, we eat them, right? We know the whole story of how it started with our ancestors and how they started cooking chitlins. I don't understand why we still eating them, but we do. And, And again, they don't look good. It's not the best part. (laughs) of the pig um and it doesn't smell good worth a damn but they taste good I guess I've never eaten them um not to say I never will but the reason why I call this chapter of my life chitlins is because I got myself into a situation because at the time I didn't know my self-worth I didn't know my value I didn't know who I was I didn't feel like I had a good place or space in this world. And so I found some shit uh, that didn't smell good and really didn't even look good to me at the time, but I had to taste it anyway. Um, And that was my ex-husband. So when I met my ex-husband, like I said, I was in a very, very... Whew, low space in my life. And the crazy thing about being in these really low spaces is sometimes we don't recognize that's where we are, right? And without you being able to recognize and acknowledge that that is where you are in life, you will make the worst possible decisions that you can make for yourself. Because if you recognize that you are in that space, maybe you would say to yourself, you know what, this is a decision I'm not going to make right now because I'm not in the best space. However, I was young, right? Um, and I grew up with a heroin addicted mom um, and I didn't have a childhood and I didn't have, a, I don't have a close family, right? And that was something that I've always, I guess, longed for 
was family, right? Those uh, Sunday dinners at Big Mama's house and people and us playing spades and all those things. And I didn't get that um, growing up. And so when I met my ex-husband, he is a part of a huge family, right? And they actually do get together every Sunday, um, or they did at the time, get together every Sunday and have these huge dinners. Um, when I met him, he told me that he was very big on having a submissive wife. He told me right away that he wanted to get married and being married with a lot of kids was his dream. He said that his dream was he wanted to come home to a bunch of kids running up to him saying, daddy, 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 when he came home from work. Um, and I, and my first thought was, nigga, that ain't me. <laughs> that ain't me. Because um, I was good off the one that I had at the time. Um, but life started lifing and somewhere along the road, I got pregnant. Right. Um, and things were really not good. I remember in the very early stages of this relationship calling my best friend because I met him through my best friend. Um, and I remember calling her, telling her over and over again, dog, I can't do it with this nigga. <laughs> I can't. He's lazy. He's tearing up my shit. He didn't have a car at the time. He would, um, it's like he came over one day and just never left. Um, and then he, he went to play football one day with his friends and he tore up his knee. And I remember him having to sleep on my couch because I had a townhouse and he couldn't make it up the stairs. So I remember him just tearing up my fucking couch and I just couldn't figure out why I had made this nigga my responsibility, why he was still there and why he wouldn't go to his mama house with his injury. Um, and I remember... Like I had this this white furniture in my home at the time. It was just me and my son and my son, you know, he already knew about mommy's white furniture. And we had maintained this furniture for years. It took one nigga, one nigga, um, to come over and never leave and tear down all my shit. And he was a big guy. So you talking about every time he put his foot on my table, the screws would weaken, shit would start falling out, falling apart. The couch, eventually him eating on it. It was grease stains on it. He always had his friends over playing video games all day long. Typical story, right? He, him and his friends playing video games all day long while I'm out. You know, I was a, a licensed cosmetologist, so I'm doing hair and, and I'm out working and he's home just tearing my shit apart, not paying for a goddamn thing, right? And I knew that this was very wrong. I knew that this was not exactly what I wanted. However, the space that I was in mentally and emotionally, um, it made space for him. And it made me feel in some way that um, I was not alone, right? It made me feel like I'm not lonely, which I don't, I don't, I never understand how us as women take on men that we know ain't it for us, right? They don't do right by us, but somehow we don't feel lonely with them there. If you don't have a good man and you don't have a good support system, then how does that man make you not feel lonely? But I'm guessing just a physical body or a physical presence or maybe once 
and in every you know blue moon he stay he might stand up for you right or have your back on something and you feel like yeah somebody got me and I think that's what it was for me I felt like somehow somebody had me right um and he's a narcissist right huge ass narcissist and the, the, the one trait the one thing um the characteristic trait about narcissists that they are so good at is that they will make you feel like they have built you up like they completely have your back only later on to tear you down and make you feel like you need them to build you back up again so that was what he gave to me besides his family um and so like this was just like I knew I knew this was not it I knew it wasn't it I knew he was not the one um we had gone through so much shit right nevertheless I married a nigga right I married him and the moment we got married I feel like everything just went downhill it was like yeah bitch I got you now I got you now you can't back out of this one at least not so easily right and so um what should have been the hugest red flag to me it was a lot of things that should have been a huge red flag right but one of the things was I would go to his mom's house and see how his dad would cuss his mom the dog fuck out like his dad would cuss his mom out so bad and the whole family would continue playing cards everybody still playing spades and I'm looking at him like you gonna let him talk to your mama like that you ain't gonna say nothing you ain't gonna do nothing and um and it was such a norm it was such a normal thing for them nobody said anything it's like hey he do this all the time that to me should have been the first clue because it's not as if he had never talked to me that way right not as extreme um but he had and so the fact that I was surprised at him allowing his father um, or standing by while his father talked to his mother that way and me being surprised, by, like it really didn't make sense, right? Because bitch, he done talk to you like that too. Um, and, and I noticed that more and more in our relationship, right? So there was so many crazy moments um in this marriage and I'm telling you guys all these details because I know somebody out there is dealing with this drama and dealing with some craziness and y'all just feel so hopeless so you just feel like that's what you have to deal with at that particular point in time um but it's not right there are lessons that we need to learn I ain't so sure that's one of the ones <laughs> okay um I remember when I had twins from this man that um I had got my tubes tied I had a whew, uh c-section and so I was like in pain in terrible pain you know um and I had just come home from the hospital and we had this bed that was like really high and I remember asking him, can you help me get down off the bed so I can go use the bathroom? Like, can you help me go to the bathroom? 
And he jumped up and said, I'm sick and tired of your ass asking me about going to this damn bathroom. And he jumped up off the bed, snatched the covers off of me, and went to go to sleep out on the couch um, and didn't give a damn. Not to mention that was my first time asking him. I hadn't asked him not one time before that, but maybe he was already dreading the fact that I might ask. <laughs> you know, they be having conversations with themselves that we don't be there for. So the minute you speak, it's all coming to, you know. Um, so I was like, okay. And I remember feeling so low. Like, I felt so disgusted with this situation I had put myself in. I felt so, it was like an out-of-body experience. It was like me looking down at me saying, bitch, you fucked up. Like, seriously, you done fucked up. Um, nonetheless, that is where I was, right? And I felt like when I married him, it was almost like a, I thought that I was saying farewell or forget y'all to my family. Like, I don't got to invite y'all. I don't need y'all. I don't got to, look, I'm getting married and I ain't for to tell y'all nothing. I really thought that I was like some kind of way throwing a jab at them. I was young. I was dumb. Okay. And I, again, I was in a very bad space in my life and so I thought that what I was doing was it uh yeah it was it it was it um and being in this marriage dealing with a man like that it breaks you down further but the experience itself will build you up I feel like the experience itself gave me some sort of foundation of what the fuck I won't take um, it gave me that what I will not deal with anymore um, because it was just so many ill, just sickening experiences that I went through. Like, I could not understand how is it that I, how did I do this? How did I commit myself to this, right? This is the man that would threaten to leave me whenever he didn't get his way. And so what I was hearing all the time was you got five kids if I leave you ain't nobody gonna take you serious ain't nobody gonna be with you but I'm a provider so anybody any woman that want to be with me I can move on my life you gonna be here stuck with those kids and I was like motherfucker mind you I did not believe what he said to me there was a part of me that wanted to prove his ass wrong. But there was also a part of me that said, you might be able to prove him wrong. You may be able to move on in life. And what he's saying may not be true. But it won't be true at a certain point in time. And it may take your ass years to get there. And in the meantime, you're going to be a divorcee or, or divorcee, whatever. You're going to be divorced with five children and you're going to be doing this shit by yourself. But when I start to think about it I'm like damn you kind of doing it by yourself anyway you're doing it by yourself anyway and and then with him you have one more child so at this point you're a married woman with six kids and no husband or you can be a divorced woman with five and and find you one one day right so um I also it, it like when I got to the point 
of like just saying, I can't take this shit no more. This is it for me. Um, aside from like being called out of my name, um, I remember one day we was watching Maury. So he was watching Maury and he was saying that this particular girl was like a hoe or whoever. She, she a hoe. She don't know who her baby daddy is. These girls are hoes. And I said, cause she don't know who, her, who the father of her child is. Don't make her a hoe. Right. And he was like, she is, she's a thought. And I was like, that don't make her that either. Like, and I knew it was getting under his skin. And then he started calling me out of my name. Then it was, you're a thought. That's why you agreeing with her. It's cause your ass a hoe and your ass a thought too. And I'll never forget my son coming to me saying, and I think he might've been like four at the time. And he was like, mommy, isn't a thought, what's a thought? And I, this the way he said, it, I was like, a thought is something you think. He was like, then why daddy calling you something that you think? And I realized he heard his father calling me a thought. That's when shit really started to sit in. Like, bitch, yo, your kids repeating shit now. Um, and then there was this time that was like the, the this was the, the second step, right? <laughs> We hit the second flow before we hit the first flow and bitches had to get out. Okay, that was the third flow. Then we on the second. Um, he had this one family member that wanted to come uh, visit, right? Um, well, actually, a few of his family members were coming to visit. And there was this one family member that even his sisters and their husbands would not allow him to stay at their home. It was like, oh, no, nah, he can't stay here. The mama wouldn't allow that family member to stay there. He was he was kind of off. He was crazy. He was that family member that nobody ever sees, don't know. He had kind of crazy, dirty, didn't have shoes, um, and all of that. And they came from like five hours away in Florida, from Jacksonville, Florida. And I told this man, that man can't stay here either. And he went off on me and he said, that's my cousin. That's my cousin. I said, your sisters won't let him stay. Your sister's husband won't let him stay. Your mama won't let him stay. Why the hell will we allow him to stay here with us and our children, our daughters and sons? Like, why will we allow that? And he was like, because that's my cousin. Nigga, I don't care. Every serial killer, ex-murderer, all of them is somebody's damn cousin, okay? Father, sister, daddy, and child. Like, it's why the hell are we letting him stay? I said, no, he can't stay. So he wasn't man enough to go to this cousin and tell him that he couldn't stay. So I went to the cousin and said, hey, you want me to look up some hotels for you? Because you can't stay here tonight. And he was like, oh, no, no, you can't stay here. Um, And because he had nothing. Like, I think one of the family members brought him here, like, on a limb because he just popped up at their door or something and so he came here and didn't literally didn't have anything like I don't I think it was like he didn't have shoes on his feet or something like that or whatever it was right um and I told him no he couldn't stay so he was supposedly spending the night in the car was gonna sleep in the car of one of the cousins um and that cousin went out that night and we were supposed to be watching that cousin's daughters here and I got up that morning and I'm walking out of my bedroom 
And, you know, immediately out of my bedroom is my living room. And there's a sofa in front of my door. And I see this person sitting on a sofa with a hoodie over their head and they're balled up. And I thought it was the other cousin's daughter. And I said, good morning. And they didn't say anything. And I remember going back into the room telling Anthony, like, your cousin's daughter is rude. Like, she's sitting her ass in there on the couch, and I just spoke to her, and she didn't even speak. She just looking at me crazy. And this man said, that's not Doug's daughter. That was a crazy cousin that I said couldn't stay in our house. So now let me paint this picture for you, that I have gone into my bedroom thinking that all we had in our home was children. Two little girls, or was it three little girls? I think it was two little girls that was the cousin's daughter, our three little girls, my son. Like, I'm thinking there's nothing in here but children. Went into my bedroom and closed the bedroom door. Not knowing that some crazy motherfucker that I said could not be in my home, that had absolutely no place to go, that this man himself had not talked to in years, that nobody in the family would allow to stay in their home, was in my living room and could have done any fucking thing to my children while I was asleep in my bedroom with the door closed. At that point, that was that was like, nigga, no, you got to get the fuck out. You and him got to fucking go now. Because you have officially put my children's lives in harm's way. You are the man of this house and you're supposed to be the protector. But at this point, you ain't protecting, you ain't providing. Nigga, what are you here for? You understand? And, and that hit me so hard that was that ultimate kick in the stomach that was that kick in the ass that I needed that was the catalyst for the end of that fucking marriage that was the very moment that I said I have to fucking get rid of him I that was that was it for me right and so after that I started talking to him like hey we need to have a talk uh I feel like we should separate just for like 30 days. You know, you go to your mom's house. Let's give this a breather, which I knew deep down inside. The minute I get him out this door and get him to his mama's house, this motherfucker ain't coming back. I ain't letting him back. I just need him to go willingly. Okay. But of course he begged and he cried and he pleaded. And let me tell y'all something. In this marriage, it was so loveless. For one, I was never in love with him, right? And we knew that before we got married. We knew we weren't like completely in love and crazy about each other. It was a situation of like, hey, we've been shacking up for God knows how long. You know, we got kids and, and then we had his family members in our ears like, y'all over there shacking up and blah, blah, blah. And then we just decided, hey, we gonna go ahead and we gonna get married. It was not this whole big, oh, we're so in love. Mind you, he proposed to me three months 
after we were dating, right? I don't even think it was a full three months. He planned this whole thing out with my best friend and put a ring in the car. And then we went to a Valentine's Day party and he proposed at the party. It was a whole thing, right? Um, and I think I was like, kind of in love with the idea but still not in love with him right because every woman wants that that big proposal and you know all those kind of things however I still just knew like I was never in love with him he just was not it right um I I am a when I say get it how I live kind of person I get it how I live I'm gonna grind I done did work three jobs at the same time as I went to school full time, took care of my child, like everything. And he was a very lazy nigga. <laughs> lazy, right? Um, And so marrying him never felt like, oh my gosh, you're married. It never felt like I married the man of my dreams. I seriously felt like I had done fucked up. Um, and I've done skits about this, right? And people always laugh about my skits. And I think some people think that it's a joke, but I'm like dead ass. Like, I just find a way to make everything funny, especially like shit like that, right? Tragic shit. I found a way to to kind of see the humor in things. Um, but in this, in this horrible marriage, because like, I was miserable, y'all. When I tell you miserable, there's so many things that I'm skipping over which is why I say this might, this is going to take a minute. Um, but you're talking about being in a relationship with somebody who steals from you, um, to the point of, and when I say steal from me, I'm talking about, I was, I was cooking food and this man would say, Hey, the guys at the barbershop want to put in X amount of orders. And I would give him those orders, you know, go out, buy the stuff, give it to him. Then I say, okay, where's the money for the orders? Oh, I'm your husband. I don't have to give you no money. Long as I'm in his house, whatever's in my pocket, we got. Fuck you mean? Because we didn't buy that food and we didn't do that work. Okay? I'm going to get my falling out. We, we, didn't, we didn't do that together. That was all me. And he had a terrible gambling habit. When I say terrible, I'm talking about terrible gambling habit, which is the reason why I had a problem with him having the money in the first place. Because... He gambled us into a into the ground. Okay, he gambled us into the ground. Like it was just not ideal at all. Okay, like it, it wasn't cute. It wasn't funny. It wasn't a little bit. It was a lot, right? Um, and so at the point of which I got really sick of him, and I knew like this had to end. Um. I didn't want him to touch me. I didn't want him to kiss me. We were riding the car. Like, I I ignored the stinking breath. You you start realizing all the shit that you ignored and let go when you was trying to make shit work and at the point that you don't want to make it work no more. It's like, nigga, why you breathe like that? Nigga, why you blink like that? Nigga, why your mustache wiggle like that? Like, you get so sick of them. We ride in the car and I be, I be rolling down the window because now I can't even fake. I don't want to fake that your breath stink no more. I want you to go get them cavities in your mouth taken care of because they plugged up with shit. 
Like, I want you to go do that now. So now I'm rolling down the window. Now you mad. Why you keep rolling down the window? Nigga, because you're killing me. You're killing me softly with your words. Bitch, I felt like Lauren Hill in that moment. Okay, you're fucking killing me. Um, and I remember him being so mad that he didn't speak to me for weeks, months almost. And I was so okay with that. I, I know he would tell people, like, we don't have sex. She don't even kiss me. She come When I come home from work, she'll be like, oh, I'm dirty. Don't touch me. I stink. Yeah, I got to the point where I started saying I'm stank. Because when I told that nigga he stank, he was taking showers and still attempting to tell no nigga I stank. I stank. Okay? I don't want to be touched. Like, I was so over it. So let me tell you the final straw. This is the final straw that broke the camel's back. And I know y'all watching this shit, but people who know me, it's like, she put up with that shit? She went through this shit? Yes. Yes, the fuck I did. And it's so hard to believe, looking at the person that you're looking at today, that I allowed this, that I went through this. But let me tell you something. When I got rid of him, I also got rid of the person that allowed that shit, okay? I didn't know me, and I didn't know my worth at that time. But the straw that broke the camel's back was he had some cousins. Once again, there's some different cousins that wanted to come here and stay where they came from out of town. Like that was what our house became. That was all this motherfucker wanted to like. And I can't. At the time, I couldn't deal with it. It was like, why do they always got to come here? Because I needed peace of mind. Like I said, he has a big family. Right. And my problem was, nigga, you ain't paying the bills. Okay, you ain't paying shit on time. You ain't taking care of shit. You're gambling. You got us in the hole. Where the fuck we get hospitality money from, bitch? Where do we get hospitable coins from at this point? We can't feed our motherfucking selves, okay? And so how are we supposed to be taking on people for the weekend? So I didn't want them to come, and we got into a, a big thing. And then I told him, listen, I don't want them here. And as a matter of fact, I don't want you here. I want us to separate. Again, he did the whole crying thing. You know, I love you, blah, blah, blah. We're going to work on this. I get what happened the last time. I will never do that to us again. All this other kind of shit. And I said, okay. I ain't going to say I fell for it. I did not fall for it. I didn't believe it. But I felt like some shit would happen that would give me my out. I felt like some shit would happen and I would be able to say, uh-uh. You said this would never happen again. I'm done. Get out. That's exactly what the fuck happened, too. So this cousin came to my home, and she walked in on day one and didn't motherfucking speak, okay? Walked in, didn't speak, didn't say a hi, bye, didn't even tell me a lie. I went in the kitchen. I cooked breakfast for everybody. I'm cooking and everything, and the bitch still won't open the mouth to say two fucking words to me, right? Um, And she was here with her son. um, And so... Something happened to the point where she left from here and she got lost. Um, and she called back and I had to be the one to guide her to the mall that she was, you know, trying to go shopping at. We get to the mall and then we're talking and she's like happy that I'm there. and We're speaking and everything's all good. And then we go to sit down and have some food and some drinks. And then she says to me, girl. You are nothing like what Anthony said. Come again. You're not, you're not the person that he told me you were. He, 
He told me that you was a bitch and you was this and that. He told me, hell, when I come over there, I don't even have to speak to you. That's his house. So, so that's why you didn't speak to me. Yeah, that's why I ain't speak. He told me I don't have to say shit to you if I don't want to. He was like, fuck her. You don't got to say shit to her. This is my house. And you set your ass at my house and didn't speak to me on behalf of what he told you. I don't give a damn if that was your cousin or your daddy. You should never, as a woman, feel comfortable to go sit in another woman's house and not speak and not open your mouth. I don't care what he told you, because that is not his shit, okay? At this point, the nigga got grandfathered in, because any fucking thing we ever got, I got, okay? And he just came the fuck along, all right? So you walking into my house and sitting in my home and not speaking to me, and now you're telling me it's because of what he said. I just want you to know I don't respect you either. I want you to know I have no fucking respect for the shit for you as a woman, for you to have told me that shit. And I am going to talk to him about it. I am going to say something to him about it, right? So, of course, I got home, and I talked to Mr. Man, okay? And shit went left, way fucking left and he wound up grabbing his shit and leaving and I was so motherfucking happy y'all can't even tell you how excited I was about him leaving um and the cousin had to get the fuck out too now that was that was a that was that was a doozy okay because when I tell you little mama was playing around with me to the point where I'm in here letting the air out of air mattresses and, and throwing away food and, and waiting for and little mama getting rowdy and I'm getting rowdy back. His sister had to come and get her, okay? Because shit was definitely about to go to hell down, okay? Um, and so it was, it was such a relief to me that he was gone. I think it's sad to say, but I think it was a relief to even our children. I know my children love their father, but I know that they could not appreciate the environment that we were raising them in with all that hostility, right? All of the arguing and just everything that was happening. Because as much as I would like to say that at the time, I was the kind of parent that didn't argue in front of my children, that um, didn't do all the... I did. I did it was the most unhealthy shit ever okay it was the most unhealthy shit ever for my children to even witness the way that we would go back and forth at each other or when he would say things and I would leave or it was just a bunch of shit or I would say something and he would leave and let me just say this the day that he left there was so much commotion going on. It was so much when I got into it with the cousin that I had told my children to go in my bedroom and close the door, right? I put all my kids in my bedroom and told them to close the door because I just felt like some shit was about to go down with me and the cousin. Um, and when the cousin was finally gone, the sister came and got her, I opened up my bedroom door and all my children were in my bed sleep. I was so exhausted by everything. I got in the bed and went to sleep with them. We slept. When we woke up, it was about 
three o'clock in the afternoon. Can I tell you it was three o'clock in the afternoon on the following fucking day? We slept like God had done rocked us and put us to sleep. We slept. Like we slept. It was like God knew I needed that rest. They needed the rest. We needed to hit reset. Like he knew that I had some shit coming towards me. And so I needed to rest. And we slept. Okay. I kept thinking that the date on my phone was wrong. It was not. Um, but that was like how much, how exhausting the entire relationship was, how draining it was, right? And I'll say this. I want to say maybe a couple days after he was gone, I did start to feel the, what the fuck did I do? I started to feel that. And I think every woman feels that. I think every man, anybody who has been in a lifelong, it feels like a lifetime relationship, 16 years, right? And I think you begin to feel like, the fuck did I do? Now I got to do all of this shit by myself. I didn't think this through. I wanted the nigga out, but I didn't figure out my next steps. What the hell is going to happen now? And I was like, I got to, I got to call him back. <laughs> I got to make this right. I got, I got to fix this somehow. And the very first time that I called him and I heard his voice and he was talking shit about how he'll cut the lights off. What's in his name? And oh, it's set back in baby girl. It all, it all came back, bitch. The blood started rushing. It was like, bitch, you made the right motherfucking decision. This ain't it. You did this for a reason. I don't give a fuck if you struggle. I don't care if you and your kids live in a car. The peace that you will have away from him in that situation, the things that you would endure during that marriage, bitch, you are better off alone. You can do this. And then that was it. That was all I, that was it. And I was done with that situation. Now, was it hard? Absolutely. I encountered some very hard days, but just as hard as they were, I was at peace. And I know that seems like how does the two of those exist in the same situation, but it does. It's like, it may be hard for you to pay the bills in your apartment, but long as you got that apartment and you can go in and close the outside, you know, close your door and put the outside on the outside, you have this peace on the inside. It don't matter how hard you work to keep the shit, as long as it has peace. So yeah, things were like a little crazy for a minute. And when we were going through our divorce, it was definitely a shit show. When I say a shit show... It was a shit show. We we got to the point of him sending people to come fight me, put my address out on social media for people to come at me. It was a whole situation that we're going to save for <laughs> part two. And we'll talk about those details and those incidents in, um, in great detail. But as for part one, 
for these chitlins. Let me tell you something. When shit don't smell right and it don't quite look right, don't consume it because it will eventually consume you. Okay? It will consume you. I became consumed by that marriage. I was bitter. I was nasty. I was a bitch. Now, I ain't going to say I had some shit going on before that marriage. I definitely had some shit going on with me before that marriage. But once I got into that marriage, I felt trapped. I felt trapped. And I'm not talking about R. Kelly's closet, bitch. I'm talking about underwater, like get in a submarine, take me down to the Titanic, and then shit just started disappearing and nobody can't find me. And I ain't got no air to breathe. Trapped. Okay, I felt like I knew in my heart the reason why I married him. It was very stupid reasons. It was because I wanted to show my family that I I, I was going to do this and I was going to create my own family and fuck y'all. Um, and then to divorce him meant all the people that told me not to marry this motherfucker, all the people that question why I was even with him all the people that had already said that ain't gonna last and you can do better and I didn't want to hear it because I don't know why somebody telling you that you can do better kind of sounds like it's an insult at the time because really you don't know how the fuck you gonna do better you really don't know because you don't feel better right and the fact that they're telling you could do better on a decision that you thought was the best one that you can make at that time is like they insulted the decision that you made and said, you ain't make a good decision, bitch. <laughs> like, that decision wasn't smart. And so it meant having to deal with all of that. It meant now I have to face these people. It meant all my haters, all the naysayers, all the people that don't like me, the people that were waiting for my downfall would now see that my marriage didn't work out. And let me be the first to tell you, fuck them folks. Okay, fuck those people. And the reason why it's easy for me to say fuck them is because living in a house with no peace is much worse than living in somebody's thoughts of bad being wished on you. Because you ain't got no business in them people's thoughts. It yo, what them people think of you ain't none of your fucking business. So you really shouldn't be worrying about what the hell they think of you. And at the end of the day, like in the beginning, okay, it's only one person, like one person who you have to please, who you have to be happy with, who needs to be happy with you. There's only one person that can give you joy and take it away from you. And that's you. That is you. So regardless of what people going to say, like, oh, look, that's why her marriage, that's the, he, her, she got divorced. That nigga couldn't even stay around. Who the fuck cares? Because once you're happy, you're happy. The truth is the people who are focused on your unhappiness are unhappy too. Okay? They they got some shit going on with them too that, that your unhappiness means anything to them. Okay? So fuck them. It is better to live free, like 
free of whatever turmoil or trauma you are going through than it is to further imprison yourself in that situation due to the thoughts of others. That's where you got to stop giving a fuck about what people think. You understand? And so the minute that I got to that place, the minute that I was there, I was all right. I didn't give a damn, right? It was just my peace of mind that mattered to me. And I didn't care what hardship I may have gone through after that. It was being out of a situation where somebody was consistently and constantly telling me where I wasn't shit, not supporting me, trying to keep me from doing things. I mean, I would do baking competitions and this man would just hope I didn't fucking win. I remember him telling me that he had a friend that did peach cobbler. She did the best peach cobbler ever. And he was like, don't get into a competition with her because she don't whoop your, she don't beat you. You know what I'm saying? She gonna whoop your ass in that peach cobbler. You can't compete with her. And I did the competition anyway. And I was the one who won. Okay. <laughs> I came in, you know, I, I was number one compared to his friends, Peach Cobbler. And it was like, that was the type of shit that I had to deal with. Like a man who was just jealous of me. And it's like a sickening and a sad place to be in. And you never want to think that your spouse or your significant other is jealous of you, especially a woman saying that a man is jealous of her. It's like, come on. But we know all too well that it's real, that it's true. And that's what I had to deal with. I had to deal with a man consistently you know being jealous of me and trying his best to sabotage me okay and it wasn't just me that he tried to sabotage I've seen him do that shit with his own friends right but the thing is is again the space that I was in so the first thing I needed to do after that marriage was really get on a healing journey I needed to heal because let me tell you something you are a cancer when you come out of a sick relationship, when you come out of a suffocating relationship, I was about to say entanglement, bitch, uh, that too. When you come out of a suffocating entanglement, you haven't healed yourself. So you're suffocating everybody else. You are being a cancer to everybody else. You got to go through radiation, okay? You got to get yourself a little bit of chemo and cure yourself before you can really go and, and engage with others. Bitch, you got to be in quarantine, okay? You have to quarantine yourself, cleanse yourself, heal yourself, and then you can go on out and venture off into everybody else or, or into the rest of the world or into trying a relationship, Um. And I don't, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that right away. It, it, it took me a little minute because the first thing I did out of that relationship was found me some dick. <laughs> Listen, that was the first thing I did. I ain't gonna lie. I was in that marriage. We hadn't had sex in, I think, a good six months or so. Bitch, I'll read it.
That's how thirsty I was. That's how thirsty I was by the time I got about that marriage. Okay? Let's just say this bottle was somebody's son. Okay? We'll continue with part two next week. I will see y'all then. Love, peace, and chicken grease, y'all. Oh, 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 oh,